0: Last week, I needed to claim my author profile on Goodreads for my book, and this involved clicking my name and then giving some info that links me to the book. When I clicked Meredith Miller, a list of 19 titles came up, including a work on narcissism, a Pokemon coloring storybook, a work for adults, and a biography, I say that in quotes, of Lindsay Lohan. In other words, there were things there I did not write and do not want linked to my name. I want to claim my book in my name that represents who I am and what I'm about. Now, in the rest of life, when we are asked about a person, a lot of our answer has to do with telling stories about them. We often get to know one another through the stories that we tell. What we don't have a lot of in our culture is knowing something about a person from their name alone. We have to link them up the same way I want to link my Goodreads profile to the stuff that would help you know more about me. Now, this is especially true in the culture of the U.S. and the way that we often do names here. There are other cultures globally where there's more in a name. An example comes to mind in Iceland because there are a lot of Icelandic crossfitters with the name of their family and daughter built right in, connecting them to the rest of their family system. In the ancient Near East, though, names and identities are very closely linked. And often the names of the gods are war, rain, sun. Except in the case of Israel. Israel's God has a different sort of name, different because it does not have one single meaning, different because it does not tether them to one single region, different because it puts God not in rivalry with the gods of the nations, but simply superior to them. Now, for those of us who read a Bible in English, whenever the name of God comes up, it is written as I am As the Old Testament goes on, it's written in all capitals, Lord. Both I am and Lord are helping in English us to know that the Hebrew word Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, if you transliterate it, it's there. God's name is there. Now, even the choice to say I am or Lord is a translation and interpretation decision that committees need to make. Because the fact is that the name Yahweh doesn't have a single meaning. It has a few options for meanings. And it isn't the case that translators need to pick the right one. It isn't the case that we as readers need to know the right one. Actually, it seems that God has named Himself a name with many meanings on purpose. That this ambiguity to God's name's meaning Can be a feature, not a flaw. So we're going to dive in starting in Exodus 3, verse 13. Moses says to God, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. God replied to Moses, Yahweh. Say this to the people of Israel. I am, Yahweh, has sent me to you. Why give a name at all? Well, because Moses asked. The precipitating event to God revealing more of Himself was a person asking God to reveal more of themselves. Moses anticipates the future and realizes he needs something from God to help If I'm going to say this to Pharaoh, to the Hebrews, on your behalf, God, as your messenger, I'm going to need a name. Moses looks ahead and then says to God, I need this specific kind of help from you for this task. And God gives it to him. There is another reason, I think, that God goes ahead and gives a name for themselves. In the ancient Near East, all gods have names. This is a landscape of gods and goddesses. The question at the time was never, do you believe in God? As if the answer might be no. Rather, the question was, which gods do you trust in? Gods, plural. And always, there are gods. The question is always simply, which ones and why? So what of this God who has named himself Yahweh? What does this name help us see about who this God is? First, the name Yahweh is a name that tells us something about God's being. The English translation choice, I am, helps align with this layer of meaning. Names reveal a God's substance and their character. And so in Exodus 3.16, we see something of God's being. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God has been and God will be from ancestors' past to descendants' future. And by calling back to the past, God is claiming that they are and will continue to be faithful, continuing the story and keeping promises. So this is not a new God popping up fresh on the scene to try and woo the Israelites. This is their God of old, keeping their promise, saving their chosen people. A second meaning to the name Yahweh has to do with God as present. God's presence. Gods all have territories in the ancient Near East. They all have a scope, a boundary. They are powerful in the places where they dwell. They are not powerful beyond their range. But in Exodus 3.17, we see God say, I declare that I will bring you out of the misery of Egypt, to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Instead of a territory to which Yahweh is constrained, they can go into Egypt and take out their people. They can go into the lands of all these other nations and claim it for themselves. Yahweh is ever-present. Their territory is the whole earth. And anywhere you go in the earth, God is. God is present. God is with us. The thinking would have been that God couldn't do much in Egypt, it wasn't his space. But Yahweh means, I will be there, as much as it also means, I am. It is a name that means being, it is a name that means presence. Yahweh is also a name that means action. God answers Moses' many objections along the way by promising to take action. And the action that God promises to take cues to a specific reality in contrast to the ancient Near Eastern gods. All of those gods live in rivalry to one another, you see. But I am has no rival. All the gods have rivals, but Pharaoh, this potential rival that is on the horizon won't stand up to Yahweh. Exodus 320, God says, "I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders that I will perform in it, and after that, Pharaoh will let you go. I will bring this people into such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. I will take action." When it's all done, there's going to be a shared story for the people of how their Yahweh God was with them. And this Yahweh God met all of Moses' present objections with future promises that would be realized and become the identifying story of the people. It's not only, though, the identifying story of the people, it is the identifying story of God. One scholar put it this way, ours is a God with a narrative name. You cannot explore what Yahweh means without telling the story. And as you tell the story, you reiterate who God is, their being, what God's done, their action, and how God was with us, their presence. Yahweh is I am. Yahweh is I will be there. Yahweh is I will act Our God names Himself, with a name like a gem, many facets, many sides. Not just one thing, I am, though the English translators needed to pick something, and they're not wrong in that, but many things. Yahweh, I will be. Yahweh, I will act. And in this multifaceted name, this narrative name, We get to see how God is constant, consistent in character, and also how God is freed and flexible to be and do more than might ever have been imagined, to be able to act in new ways, to do new things. God won't change, but God will also not be boxed in. And so, to every objection of Moses is a future promise that will show, I am, I will be there, I will act. When we were together live, the practice we engaged in together was breath prayer. It's a simple and portable way to pray where you have a phrase in mind as you breathe in and a phrase in mind as you breathe out. You repeat this phrase, and it anchors you in a way that helps create space to connect with and listen to God. One reason we picked a breath prayer as our time of response has to do with just a fun little nugget left about God's name related to pronunciation. Ancient Hebrew does not write its vowels, leaving a bit of question marks about how you might pronounce something properly. And along the way, there's been some interesting exploration of whether the sound of God's name might be really akin to the sound of breath. Yahweh. The image can be really helpful if we pray a breath prayer simply because it reminds us of God's nearness. This name that makes God so great also represents a God who comes near. As near as the air we breathe. So here's an invitation to try a breath prayer now. This first prayer reminds us of God's being. Inhale. Help me trust who you are. Exhale, Yahweh who never fails. Help me trust who you are, Yahweh who never fails. A second prayer focuses on God's presence. Inhale, may I feel you near me. Exhale, Yahweh who's always there. May I feel you near me, Yahweh who's always there. And this third prayer focuses on God's action. Inhale, be my help and my savior. Exhale, Yahweh who delivers. Be my help and my savior. Yahweh who delivers. May Yahweh God, who is, who will be there, who will act, show themselves to you more and more this week as they lead you in love. Amen.